0: If you type Gail Omvedt on YouTube, you'll read a long list of webinars and news reports, mostly published last year, that commemorate the life and legacy of the sociologist. It's rare for a sociologist to receive such substantive, posthumous attention. But it's also rare for an academic to combine rigorous scholarly work and activism in the manner in which Dr. Omvedt was able to. Dr. Omvedt published more than 50 articles in EPW. This includes sharp book reviews, innovative research work and critical responses to articles published in the journal. After her death, EPW published reflective articles to understand her contributions. To take this a step further, and to commemorate her legacy, we felt that it could be useful to take a behind-the-scenes look at her research process, how her work is taught within a classroom setting, and critical reflections about her scholarship. Welcome to Research Radio, a podcast by Economic and Political Weekly. I'm your host, Abhishek. We felt that the right place to start this episode could be Dr. Omvedt's first article published in EPW in 1971, titled, Jyotirao Phule and the Idea of Social Revolution in India. This article is important because it offered a detailed account of Phule's peasant and anti-caste outlook to achieve social transformation. A note after the end of the article reads, The article, quote, is based almost completely upon Fule's own writings and on my own general sociological knowledge, end quote. As part of this note, Omvedt also thanks several people she relied on. She says, quote, without such material and help provided, social history cannot be written. If, in the past, biases have entered into the writing of Maharashtran social history, it is partly due to the insufficient use of such material, end quote. What was unique about Umwet's approach to the archive?
1: It's important as a researcher in modern Maharashtra, I have seen several kinds of biases uh, uh, grounded in historical narrative.
0: That's Dr. Umesh R. Bagade, professor at Saheb Ambedkar, Marathavad University in Aurangabad.
1: The historians who engaged in modern Maharashtra were largely relying on the conception which the dominant historian has raised in their writing. For example, there was a a bad book written by Zaudekar about Adunik Bharat. It's very important because he was socialist, particularly blending Gandhi with uh, Marxism. And uh, this kind of book is seen as a very important book in Maharashtra. And you will find in his book, there was a discussion about Bengal Renaissance, there is discussion about Agarka, there is discussion about Ranade, Lokitwadi, Lokmanya Tilak. There are two, we can say, bigger uh, uh, chapters were dedicated to Tilak. But one and a half, half page is reserved for Mahatma Pali. So you will find that kind of narrative. I think he was socialist, socialist. So you have to see that this kind of limitation. There was another kind of important historian who in certain way was archivist and he used enormous kind of material and was Y.D. Ferke. But Y.D. Ferke never went to people, those who participated in movement. He has not collected information, particularly their interviews. The anthropological inquiry is absent, thoroughly absent. You will find that Mahatma Pule had anthropological method of inquiry. It was uh, Dr. Ramji Shinde who also engaged with this anthropological inquiry. It was Mahatma who engaged with anthropological inquiry and nobody else. Nobody has went to people, nobody has taken interviews, nobody has, you can say, collected uh, proverbs, nobody has collected songs, nobody has in certain sense, uh, you can say, observed the realities by living there. It was she who at that time went uh, from one place to another. It is a quite exciting kind of and very tiresome kind of journey which one has to see. At that time, there was no vehicle which can go from nevasa to taraudi there was archives there at taraudi a uh, particularly kundra Patil has uh, uh, started this newspaper called mitra she went directly to that place by Bulakkar, stayed there for 10 days or more than that he and then you can say took some kind of notes. Madhavrao Madhavrao Patil, who was son of Mukundra Patil, gave, a, gave extensive interview to Gaye Lombard. It's very important. She was not only relying on the archival part of it. She, because Mukundra Patil's son knew many things about Sathya movement. So, his memoirs were in certain way jotted down by her. And you will find very fine kind of, we can say, observations about Satyashudak so, uh, uh, Samaj. He comes through the readings of uh, this mother of Patil, who was the son of Kundra Patil, and even uh, the grandson that is Nana Patil. So, you will find that he, she was not uh, relying only on archival resources. She was engaging with people. She was talking to various kinds of people the tamasha it's this it absent in all kinds of we can say writings of uh, modern maharashtra you won't find tamasha which has in certain way shaped the minds of toiling masses they they in certain way has given agency to the shodak. Uh, masses where they rose against the, their operation. and this Satyashodhakadi, this whole role of Satyashodhak Tamasha, were, were plotted through certain kind of, anthropological kind of engagement with uh, people in uh, uh, Western Maharashtra. Means I have not seen that the way she she was using enormous way the the researches uh, which has taken place in India, particularly those. Foreign scholars. She was very uh, powerfully using the archival kinds of resources. For example, for you will see that uh, in Maharashtra, all kind of newspapers are scattered. Deen Mitra is there in Taraudi, then uh, Drashtravir, which, which was there, started from Belgao, Vijay Maratha from Kollapur, then Maratha from Pune and all these newspapers and the, the, the very, very important kinds of facts which are there in that newspapers are reported in her researches. For example, there was an interesting article when this uh, Satara Danga, Satara revolt took place. Satara revolt was a, a kind of event which is not at all, at all pointed out by any historian in Maharashtra till Gelambet. Uh, it was a, a kind of important revolt against the oppression of uh, peasantry. It was a certain kind of collective rebellion against. Zamindari system in Satara. However, you will find nobody has reported this. I have never come across any book till uh, 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 Gayle writing about this Satara rebellion, which was largely influenced by Satyashodhak ideology. You will find uh, several kinds of we can say people who never have been contacted by researchers to, to give information. And you will find all these kinds of information was gathered particularly proverbs, and these proverbs in certain way, very important source of understanding the kind of, we can say, realities. For example, when she was talking about the decline of the landed class, particularly the Deshmukhs, she has, in certain way, in the second article, which we are discussing about Sathya Samaj, is a an agitation, and you will find that uh, there was a decline of class of the traditional Uh, feudal elites and how the books were declining where she is uh, citing a proverb and that proverb in certain way uh, makes us understand that the way uh, things were changing so in that sense Uh, One has to understand that she was blending particularly anthropological method with uh, archival method, with sociological method, particularly conceptual tools, the way she was arranging her kind of arrays of conceptual tools. The analytical methods, the kind of we can say comparative method. For example, Marxist and even many kind of scholars, particularly in sociology, are using comparative methods. So if at all she is writing about the uh, peasantry in Maharashtra, she is taking a certain kind of kind of comparative framework with the peasantry in Europe, peasantry in other parts of the world, and then connecting this argument together to make sense. So, in that sense, her, her, her engagement with particular and universal is very quite, quite uh, grasping, uh, quite powerful, and it unfolds several kinds of, uh, we can say, possibilities of deriving meanings. And therefore, her research is in certain way breaking in certain ways.
0: Right, right, and and Omwit's work is frequently taught uh, within classroom environments, and and I understand that uh, you've taught some of the articles we have discussed in this conversation, and uh, the articles, non-Brahmins and nationalists in Pune, and development of the Maharashtra class structure, 1818 to 1931. Could you share how you introduce these articles within the classroom environment, and perhaps some anecdotes about how students have engaged with her work?
2: non Brahmins and nationals in Pune and development of the Maharashtrian class structure, eighteen eighteen to 1931, are the two important writings of Gail. And I teach a course, Identity, Citizenship and Governance. Nationalism is one of the important modules in my course.
0: That's Dr. Sangeeta Thosar, Assistant Professor at the Tata Institute of Social Sciences in Mumbai.
2: Gail's analysis regarding the nationalist position of Brahmin elites and its critique propounded by Phule very much helped me to put forth different approaches toward nationalist positions. Gail put forth a profound critique of Brahmin elites' nationalism and she showed that their nationalism was a tool of uh, serving their class interests. Uh, she put forth Brahmin's elite's effort to deploy Hindu gods' Festival as a tool to mobilize people. But soon after it became an issue of communal tension, Gill's writing about nationalism has been very important, especially in contemporary times. When nationalism has become a very contentious issue, it has become a tool to suppress the social, political and economic issues. It also uh, increasingly used to establish a majoritarian, majoritarian culture as a national culture. Gail also speak about class differentiation not just in terms of different caste but also among intra caste differences. It is helpful in understanding the contemporary plight of farmers in most of the states' political elites, belong to farmer caste but they ignore the interest of. Uh, farmers and are busy in serving their class interests. This analysis helped me while teaching the course caste, class and gender a theoretical perspective. As I earlier said mainstream sociologists uh, ignore the experience and perspective of lower caste and Dalits. Gail on the contrary take into consideration the experiences and perspective of this uh, Drowned in her sociological writing. She also tries to Break the binary between academics and activism. And women's studies is a discipline which has thoroughly advocated the integration of academics and activism. It also proposes to take into consideration the women's experiences while theorizing uh, women's questions. Her writing, uh, I feel, very useful to teach the uh, women's studies because women's studies is an interdisciplinary field women's study, challenged the patriarchal knowledge process and tried to create, reproduce the democratic knowledge process.
0: And uh, Could you also add uh, how, uh, in your experience, students have responded to her work um, in, 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 in both the courses that you spoke about? Uh,
2: most of the sociological disciplines, people talk about the Bhure, uh, Shrinivas and uh, other sociologists. Uh, but um, in my classroom, I always talk full-end and Bedkar's perspective on caste. Gail Ombed's work uh, helped me a lot. Uh, because now, women's studies classroom, people uh, always say, ki, Yes, uh, I, I know about caste. I read uh, Gure, I read Srinivas, I read so-and-so person. Uh, but for example, the concept of upper mo- mobility, yeah, the concept of dominant caste, yeah, the concept of Sanskritization, the Gale helped me to unpack the patriarchal approach, yeah, yeah, we can say the top-down approach while studying the uh, caste society. How the different shades ignore the sociologist. And people uh, in TISS the the classroom uh, is not homogenized classroom. Always our classroom uh, people are heterogeneous. Uh, there is a heterogeneity because uh, Ambedkarite, Marxist student, yeah, we can say say the LGBTQ people and the so the always people. Uh, uh, do the discussion on the how caste and sexuality, uh, we can say the how caste and gender intersect and that time the girls work uh, uh, also helped me a lot. How the we cannot see the classic homogenized structure, uh, The how the caste, class and gender intersect each other. Mm-hmm
0: and uh, dr umesh if you would also like to discuss how uh, uh, you introduce um, uh, the article in within the classroom and how students have responded to it
1: it's quite fascinating experience because uh, in my history syllabus there are several kinds of papers which are taking out uh, girls work if we will, we are taught, teaching to the ma courses uh, we will be unfolding the particular kind of class which is emerging and one has to understand that uh, the kind of uh, writings about uh, class in India are not uh, in that sense uh, profound. So in that sense, uh, this this particular kind of, we can say, issues in uh, uh, there in her article opens up a certain kind of, we can say, ground to new researchers. For example, uh, the earlier article, he has referred about the Anand Swami. One of my students has taken research on Anand Swami. It's a small reference of Anand Swami. Anand Swami was a godly man belonging to Satyashodak Samaj, was carrying out the to run Satyashodak Jalsats to run Satyashodak movement, was caught by the British uh, police and was put to prison. That man uh, had a certain kind of, you can say, few archival references which she quoted, and some kind of, can say, interviews she quoted. Then my student took up the research, Sananand Swami. Uh, even uh, her, 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 her kind of engagement with the kind of, uh, the ripped fissures between peasant and untouchables. What is this whole kind of Sathya ideology undergoing and even the Mukund, Mukundra Patil, who was exponent of peasant emancipation, could not grasp the issue of untouchability. In, on one hand, was opposing caste system, but on the other hand, was not understanding the issue of untouchables. For example, when he was uh, talking about the Baluddhari system, he was arguing against Baluddhari system in favor of peasantry, not in favor of untouchables. So, this, this minute kind of nuances are explained by her. So, these whole kinds of issues uh, which are there in uh, Maharashtan society are in that certain way, are explained by her article. And this is a very important method. For example, caste class method which she gives us as a method of analysis and that we can gain from her and that what should take out to do researches and that we are taking t- can say telling to our students particularly who are doing research
0: mm. and uh, during these uh, sessions uh, classroom sessions where you are teaching umbits work uh, you know there are bound to be uh, a lot of discussions a lot of thoughts and ideas emerging uh, about her work um, and perhaps there is also some criticism and so maybe if we can discuss uh, maybe one or two of the criticisms that that you may also feel uh, are, are relevant to to understand and unpack
2: more uh, i think thought her unconventional approach or open-mindedness toward the caste patriarchy is a remarkable thing it in its own way Still, we can say that she couldn't erase the influence of certain Marxist stereotypes and dogmas. For example, the, the name of her masterpiece book is Cultural Revolt in Colonial Society. Uh, she termed Satyashodak movement as a cultural cultural revolt against the caste system. But in, in the caste system, culture is a medium to extract the surplus from peasant prison caste and lower caste. So, when Fulan and other Satyashodak leaders spoke about uh, cultural exploitation, they actually spoke about material exploitation which happened uh, through culture. So, it shows the traditional Marxist influence upon Gail when she termed Satyashodak movement as a cultural revolt. And uh, second thing, she asserted not to use the best superstructure model uh, mechanically, but she Herself strongly asserted that caste is a part of superstructure. Thirdly, her formulations about caste, class, and particularly in the pre-British uh, period is not clear. Actually, it is confusing. Uh, the next point, which is my opinion, uh, loophole in Gale's theorization in is her articulation about the concept of dominant caste. Mm. Many sociologists and political scientists use the concept of dominant caste to show the dominance of a particular caste in that state. They use various factors like uh, demographic majority, control on land, or control on economic means, political dominance, etc. as determining factors of dominant caste. In Maharashtra, according to many scholars, Maratha caste is a dominant caste. Gail Omwet expressed her disagreement about the concept of dominant caste. She emphasized that most village studies appears to show that uh, while leading members of village factions were in fact uh, wealthy men of the numerically uh, largest landholding caste, often men of the caste had important power uh, while poorer member of the dominant caste. There are certain limitations of the dominant caste concept like it is a gender and class blind concept but to a great extent it is useful concept to analyze the social fabric based on caste. And according to Gale's thought about dominant caste and Maratha caste is not a dominant caste. But as we know in Maharashtra, elites of Maratha caste have dominance over means of land and other economic resources. They also have political dominance and control over educational institutions. Though all Marathas have no control of these resources, they are the biggest beneficiaries of this dominance of their elite caste fellows. But Gale's formulations ignore or fail to take into consideration these facts. Though there are some limitations in the writings of Gale, she will remain the foremost Marxist scholar who engaged herself with the study of caste and patriarchy. Every scholar has his or her limitations but what is more important is to what extent she contributed to the issue or how many possibilities and ways she open up through her writing is a more relevant question. And and uh, on this count, Gail certainly contributed and in opening the new ways to look at the caste and patriarchy.
1: Sangeeta has rightly pointed out some kind of limitations. I will somehow explain certain uh, facets of it. For example, she in certain way has Uh, tried to unfold caste and class paradigm. Uh, Interestingly, she has uh, conceived that in pre-British period, caste and class were identical and caste was class and class was caste. That was the kind of proposition which she uh, added. Uh, Then she talks about the colonial period and she says that uh, class started visible in colonial period. Class in that sense become visible, but they are in co-joint means class and caste were uh, together in certain way that uh, those who are higher caste were higher classes and those who were uh, lower caste were lower classes and then she says she says he argues that after independence the class separated from caste so this is what she uh, trajectory which she expl- can say uh, tries to unfold about this whole kind of the complexity of caste and class my view is that uh, I would be in certain way is more, uh, will affirm the Sharad Patil's kinds of argument that uh, pre-British period there was caste. Uh, he is in that study emphatic that there was no class, but I, as a studi- student of historian, plus three, I know that there were class-like moment, but the dominant mode of production was caste mode of production. So even about the uh, caste mode of production, uh, she had a certain kind of Marxist position, which Sangeeta has explained. In that position, uh, one has to understand important uh, aspect of it. She, there is a certain kind of conception where there is exploitation, there is classes. So, this caste mode of production, this very, the primacy of caste mode of production is not, in that sense, emphatically uh, accepted by her. She was, in a certain way, had a Marxist influence where class was seen within caste. And that is what exactly is a point which i disagree with the second kind of point where i disagree with her is about the way she is in certain way pointing out uh, the issue of dominant caste Uh, she already has mentioned but i would somehow add to it is that she is right in certain way that even in peasantry the elites particularly dominant elites are different and poorer uh, peasantry is different but in particularly india there is a mode of power which is operated within caste society particularly village caste society you might have come across to the conception of uh, parchett's mode of uh, power where he is talking about the peasant mode of power collective mode of power and it's very really interesting that uh, you might be knowing Uh, Jayantar Dele has written about a book on this uh, democracy, particularly uh, the plural rule, caste plural rule in uh, Maharashtra, where you have to understand he is identifying two modes of power, patriarchal mode of power and patrimonial mode of power. The uh, dominant Maratha party had a certain kind of power over the artisan caste, power over the untouchable caste as he is hereditary chief of the village. So, where the collective power of peasantry is oppressive vis-a-vis untouchables. So, in that sense, it is a dominant caste phenomenon where you will find the atrocity is committed as with Savarna kind of consciousness and that Savarna consciousness is laid by the dominant peasant caste. There is a certain kind of caste one caste, caste kind of psyche which operates within peasantry is that the low caste should not rise and they should not stand in front of them so there is a, some kind of solidarity operates so uh, Sangeeta is right in uh, a certain way and uh, this is uh, this is not exactly dominant caste which is explained by Emin Srinivasan. Emin Srinivasan has a certain kind of different understanding of uh, dominance I will definitely take out this kind of argument from the mode of power, where this mode of, collective mode of power is largely wielded in the collectivity of caste, this peasant collectivity of caste, which in certain way maintains caste in society. The higher, this greater inequality is being, been entrenched through the psyche and this collectivity of psyche is operating through this. Not exactly dominant in the sense that they all are having the right to land. Many of them might not be having uh, land in their possession. They might be landless peasants. They might be in certain way uh, doing some kind of manual jobs. However, the psyche of collectivity operates as dominant caste. One has to understand this. And that is a certain kind of disagreement uh, I will somehow cite. The third kind of frequency limitations where I find that for example, if we take out this whole peasant issue, she has not, uh, in certain way, uh, had a very fruitful dialogue with uh, uh, subaltern studies. I see that subaltern studies, by in a certain way grounding Gramsci, has uh, pointed out certain kind of, you can say, peasant insurgencies in their own role. I think uh, Gail should have, in certain way, uh, reacted to the kind of exercise of the studies studies in positive way but i i, I that, that that expectations are irrelevant as far as she doesn't have her own choice but uh, as 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 a scholar we all are learning from her and there are several ways as scholars we could somehow find some limitations but uh, as Sangeeta has put that uh, she will be a foremost kind of we can say historian sociologist activist thinker and uh, ideologue of our
0: age mm-hmm. 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 yeah uh just last question that i thought we could end on is uh maybe uh if both of you could just reflect on uh uh how both of y'all have uh, learned about omwet's work so either if it's through personal interactions or um by reading her work or listening to her lectures um just uh reflect on maybe uh, on what basis do you personally relate to uh, heard and have been able to gather this information that we discussed in the interview today.
2: First I met to girls in movement. I am associated with uh, Satishuddha group. I am, uh, I was an activist. I, when, uh, I am associated with Satishuddha Vidyarthi Sangatna and now I am associated with Kranti uh, Senana Patir Academy who works the um, Marxist Fuller Ambedkarite philosophy. Uh, then I read the cultural revolt, and uh, for my uh, PhD, I done work on uh, how the caste association play an important role to reconstruct the caste patriarchy, reproduce the caste patriarchy. How the, uh, the caste uh, dominant caste caste association. Uh, uh, the contemporary uh, uh, did the contemporary construction of caste patriarchy. and that time I felt that girl's work helped me a lot to understand the contemporary construction of caste patriarchy.
1: Yes uh, indeed. I am truly endowed by her work and uh, I was uh, in 1991 uh, uh, I was enrolled in uh, MPL where I have done my thesis on uh, Mahatma Pulid's attempt to create counterculture. Since then, I am engaged with Gail Omwet. Uh, as uh, Sangeeta was explaining, I was also had certain kind of ties with movement. I was and is in certain way part of Sathya uh, Marxist lineage of Maharashtra. Uh, and therefore, Bharat, Gail were uh, constant visitor particularly up to 2000 till 2000 I was not in that sense in interaction with uh, her but uh, later on we started getting interacted, and uh, there was a personal kind of dialogue with her.
0: Thanks so much to Dr. Thosar and Dr. Bagade for joining us on Research Radio. We have a reading list on the exhaustive body of work of Dr. Ombit in EPW, and I'll share direct links to the specific articles we discussed in the show notes along with that reading list. I highly encourage reading these to get a better understanding of India's caste and gender-based social order, but also the ways in which those from marginalized backgrounds have dissented and spoken back. As always, please share your feedback to us via any of EPW's social media handles, or email us at social at epw.in. Take care and thanks for tuning in.